Welcome to the BPM Next Gen podcast, a joint production of BPM Next Gen and APQC, the world's foremost authority in benchmarking, best practices, process and performance improvement, and knowledge management. BPMNextGen.com is dedicated to being a forward-focused organization, providing a forum for thought leaders and practitioners to find practical answers to key questions that the evolution of BPM continues to produce on their path to achieving BPM excellence. Your hosts today are Holly Lyko-Gland, Principal Research Lead at APQC, and Lloyd Dugan, Chief Architect for BPMNextGen.com. We're here to talk about the nifty little paper that they have published, which was also posted on the BPM Next Gen site on <clears throat> titled Process Tools in 2022. We're also going to talk a little bit at the end about the survey, uh, which is also posted with the article, uh, which is designed to get additional information about specific tools for data visualization. But we'll reserve that for the tail end of the podcast. So my quick summary, uh, which I will then ask Holly to uh, correct uh, if need, as needed, uh, is to just sort of describe in brief what the article is about. It talks about the results of their own survey uh, about process tools and interest and areas to explore and doing process-related work. Uh, everything from you know, process management to uh, ERP systems to the use of AI and other forms of automation. And the survey was designed to sort of give an indication of where the various interest levels are and to what degree is represented by the percentages. Uh, These represent uh, things of greater interest versus lesser interest. So we'll talk about the relevant technologies and their purpose, uh, which was the first set of data that pops up in the article. And then we'll also talk a little bit about the uh, purpose of the tools in question and what they would be used for, which is the second part of the article. So is that a fair enough uh, summary, Holly, to get started? And by all means, just contribute what else you think would be needed to describe it. Okay. Yeah, and, and that's a pretty fair summary. Um, one kind of nuance that I would add is one the, the, real, the question that we ask people around um, these tools is which ones are they going to be using <clears throat> this year? Um, as far as what they're going to be, you know, what are the ones that are going to have high impact on their process work um, in 2022? And that's kind of where the percentages came from. Excellent. So let's get into it. The top five uh, technologies for process teams in 2022. Uh, first off was data visualization tools. And uh, I gather, Holly, that this is something that's probably been climbing the ranks over the years. I was a little surprised to see it at the top especially since it beat out uh, process automation, which is what I would have thought uh, would have been at the top, uh, but just barely. So it's almost like a tie, but still the, the importance of data visualization, not typically thought of as a thing in, in, in the BPM space, the business process management space, uh, more as an afterthought than, than a key analytical tool or, or component of the tool set for BPM work. Whereas process automation is naturally uh, in that space, did you find it surprising? Was was that the, how did APQC sort of interpret that result? I, I agree. I really thought process automation was going to be number one, especially with what, what you see different like growth over the last two years. I think some people say it's grown like seven percent as far as automation tools in organizations. 
Um, but kind of taking a step back and thinking about data visualization, I mean, people are still trying to really learn how to make decisions around their process work, right? Um, and so process teams are, are also getting tapped into that kind of data analytics space. Um, and when they're trying to talk to people about making kind of data-based decisions around improvement opportunities, what needs to be automated and things along those lines, they're going to need some kind of visualization to help with the storytelling, right? To help convey that kind of complex information so it's easier to digest by the people in the business. Or at least that's kind of my hunch as far as like kind of where that was going. Well, that's fair enough. Uh, just to fill out the other three and then I'll come back to the point you just raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the third and fourth and fifth were workflow tools, ERP systems and collaboration tools in order. And there's not a lot of daylight between these things, these five things, I mean, they're they're all just behind each other by a, a point or two. So it's a close race, um, but still the visualization at the top is a bit of a surprise. So here's the thing, right? The BPM suites of the past, whether we call them business process management systems or case management systems, whatever, um, you know, long ago incorporated uh, a kind of uh, uh, business analytic component to their dashboard dashboard reporting capabilities. And so that was mostly oriented around the, or focused rather on the uh, process instance, where it is, what kind of state it's in, uh, what kind of aggregated aggregated statistics can you get off of that? Then you throw in a little bit more sort of business intelligence reporting and it becomes a kind of business analysis component to the suite. But it was never really much beyond just about what's moving through the you know the system itself, whatever applications have been built on top of the platform. Right. Separate from that, right? We had um, business intelligence reporting becoming a kind of thing unto itself, built on top of uh, anywhere from things like data warehouses or cubes, whatever you know, some some residual derived store uh, of data that was uh, assembled through some kind of set of ETL bits of logic. And, and then the business intelligence tool was a kind of uh, reporting capability on top of that, which had to varying degrees, again, some kind of visualization aid. All that seems to have now been proven inadequate enough to take over the, too inadequate to take over the market, but adequate enough to maybe have given rise to this ascendancy, right? Because if visualization can be made that easy, and it wasn't before, I would think, right? If it can be made that easy, maybe that explains the rise. And I'm, I'm particularly thinking like something like Power BI, because leave it to Microsoft to figure out the, the lowest common denominator component of a tool or a capability and then sell the hell out of it. <laughs> I think, I mean, that's definitely got a valid point. I think also a lot of it is you want to see organizations are trying to strive for some consistency. Um, in the tools that they're using. So if you're going to be using data visualization tools um, from the process side of the house, as well as say some of the performance uh, report outs um, and things like that, you want to be having a consistent reporting mechanism and and visualization mechanisms so that everything kind of can tie together. I think that's another potential reason why we're seeing data visualization tools being pulled out of those kind of traditional BPM uh, tool set. As well, that's an interesting point, right? So it was brought in. It wasn't um, 
it kind of receded into the background and now mm-hmm. it's being pulled out to give it its own sort of uh, purpose for being. Right. Well, I think some of it's also tied where, I mean, where you see, so, cause one of the other questions we asked in the survey was asking how BPM teams support the organization and op improvements are, of course, are like the big one, but teams are also being tapped into some broader projects that have multiple partners. So like strategic initiatives, transformation offices, technology implementations, and all of these things. So that you need to have a consistent tool set um, across all of those groups that support those um, as well. So I wonder, so let me just pose the question to you then, is this, were the old, were the tools that were there before, particularly I'm thinking like the business intelligence reporting tools, um, did they just lack enough ease of use? Did they just not probe and structure the data well enough? Or were they just never that well framed around the sort of process-centric view of the enterprise or the organization? And so when you see this kind of thing show up in your survey, it's really reflecting that they want to see this as a way of kind of process discovery or insight. And they just weren't getting that, right? So maybe they just had too much going on elsewhere, but not enough in the specific areas of process. Would that be fair? I definitely think the ease of use is, is, is a major component um, in, in that point as well. Like, So there's the silo issue of, of process using a specific tool and other parts of the organization using different tools. Um, and I think the ease of use is, is incredibly important in this place. Um, reporting mechanisms through BPM tools haven't always been, like you said, the easiest to use um, or have a broader reach um, as far as kind of like layman can, can use the same tool set. Well, we talked a little bit before the podcast and we're going to raise the topic again, which is, you know, we both talked about process mining. Where does that fit into this? In, in conceptually, it's kind of a tweener between a visualization tool and a process uh, analysis tool, um, but it's a very specialized kind of visualization. It's not trying to give you a, a you know the kind of dashboard visualization that you might otherwise be thinking. It's it's really a process map that shows the flow of of work as it transitions from one state or one performer to the next. So where does process mining fit into this? And, and you had some interesting results, as I recall. Right. Well, and I agree. Um, I always kind of get sad every time we do one of these kind of tool surveys because um, process mining winds up falling so far down. Um, I think in this particular survey, it was like 22% of the people said they were going to be using it. But I do think it's an amazing analysis and visualization tool for the type of work that BPM teams do. Um because it is, it does, it does more than just give you kind of like performance data and how that's going along. It really visualizes how the different parts of the process are flowing. So you can identify things like bottlenecks, repetition, um, where things get stalled in a way. Um, I think it's probably one of the uh, tools most people in process aspire to, um, but they don't always get the investment to be able to do process mining as much as they'd like to in a lot of ways. And I, I totally agree with that. It, it, it too strikes me as very strange because I just see the power of it in a very intuitively satisfying way that seems to me very natural. And so I'm, I'm always weirded out by uh, how it's just not gotten more traction, uh, particularly because it, it's been around long enough to have you know have achieved some kind of critical mass. 
And it's also something <clears throat> that has popped up on uh, a lot of other sort of related tool sets. You find uh, a lot of process modeling tools have them as a component or uh, BPM suites have it as a component uh, or, you know, uh, ERP uh, systems have it as a component. And you know, one of the things we were talking about before the call was uh, the the marriage of something like Signavio and SAP. What, what did you think of that? I thought it was a really smart move. I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, if you're looking at process mining, you have to have like certain requirements, right? You have to have the processes laid out. Um, you have to have the steps laid out. You have to have timestamp data. Um, you have to have case ID numbers and all of those things that are found in ERP systems um, as far as, you know, measuring and going through uh, explicit processes. Um, by then kind of looking at that and connecting those two pieces, it solves some of the problems a lot of organizations have when they try to do process mining without an ERP system or something similar. Um, because a lot of organizations are still struggling with like getting standardization of their processes in order, right? And having those laid out in a consistent way. Um, and then tying data and instances to those. And people still struggle with having high quality data that lines up. Um, but the marriage between those two seems a really brilliant move as far as then being able to have that objective data at their fingertips to make those kind of decisions and use that kind of analysis tool. Well, it certainly does enhance the sort of all-in-one toolbox uh, capability of something like SAP to, to have that as part of what's what's available. Uh, but just speaking for myself, I, I still, I guess I... I uh, I, I feel for the loss of the Signavio as a standalone tool set because I was one of its earliest users. Uh, and so I felt uh, somewhat abandoned, I guess, <laughs> with it being sold uh, to Big Brother SAP. But I, but I, but I get the argument you're making. Right. Right, so the second half of the paper deals with top five purposes for uh, process tools. And uh, uh, paralleling the first set of data in much the same fashion, the top two, uh, are data-driven decision-making by a fairly significant margin, uh, 5%. So that's at 60%. And then replace manual processes at 55%. So that's tracking with the one, two of, uh, of uh, data visualization and process automation in the first list. The other three being uh, improve the efficacy of process work. That's a standing, uh, long-term, uh, long-standing rather, uh, reason for doing BPM. Uh, work and projects, enhance visibility into operations, which is which is interesting because I, I would have thought that would go hand in hand with data-driven decision-making, but here it is at fourth at 48%. And then improved data quality, 44%, same thing. So it's it would suggest in the, this you know, stratification of the results that um, they're not so much worried about the having the data anymore or having good data anymore. They're, they're worried about, is it the right data, right? So uh, that's what it would be needed for, for data-driven decision-making. And, and you and I are both contributors to Zbigniew's site, uh, at, uh, uh, his site for the hot new things for the upcoming year in BPM. And the uh, data science is something that has been increasingly showing up in the list of, of, of everybody mentioning it. Uh, what they think is, is going to be hot for the year. And that seems to go very much hand in hand with the results you have here. Why do you think that is? 
I think data analytics is an absolute skill set that we have to have in this business, right? In the long run, our job, I mean, more and more of our toolkit is technology-based. Um, a lot of the decision-making and the things that go around it are, are data-linked, right? Whether we're looking at making, using data to, to visualize, like with process mining, where things are and using objective information to make smart decisions about improvements. Um, or to even kind of like then help provide objective information then in improvement work. Um, so we have that ability to select the right projects that are going to be a good fit for the organization, as well as tie that information into the ROI and the benefits of the work that we do. And one of the biggest kind of struggles BPM teams in particular have had over, I think, my entire career has been um, making sure that the value of what we do is transparent to the business so that we're seen as, as something that helps support and scooch around those organization goals. And one of the ways we can do that is by having clear analytics tools that help us then help them solve their problems effectively. Yeah, I tend to think that we are, particularly in this information, uh, overabundant information age, um, we're, you know, we're surrounded by water in the same sense that a man on a, on a, on a raft at, in, at sea uh, who's thirsty is also surrounded by water where you can't, you know, it's not good enough. And I, so I, I, I get the, the emphasis on making it um, more relevant, more accessible, more usable to, to uh, be applied in particular contexts. So what is it that um, you all think uh, over at APQC is the long-term direction of this drift uh, towards more data and, and uh, more and precise uh, analytical uh, tools uh, built around the data for things in the BPM workspace? Well, I, I think it's a natural fit. Um, so the research area I cover is process and performance management. So we already kind of link measurement and data with process as far as being able to, to objectively do that. Um, and, and if you look at kind of like the biggest gap in organizations and they're looking at BPM maturity, it's jumping from standardization um, to managing and measuring process performance objectively and how we use that to support decision making in the organization. Um, so I think they go hand in hand. You have you have to have one and the other. Um, I do think technology and the vast amounts of, of information out there are making that easier. Um, and, and driving more and more that connection between the two of those, those disciplines. So this is something that you'll be doing. This survey uh, is something that you'll be doing year to year for a while, at least. Um, for, so this is part of a bigger survey that I do every year, which is what I call a priority survey. And what we do is we look and see what the big challenges and in, in like a lot of key spaces like process, um, strategy, measurement, analytics, and things like that. Um, and I always include a specific section like this, which um, looks at kind of a topic that people are interested in. And that's where we came up with and looking at the tools um, in particular, because there's always been a lot of questions about what tools people are using. Um, and sometimes what are tools people are using versus what's the hype out there as far as what are the tools that people should be using. Um, so that is definitely a, a piece that I like to, to ask at least every other year in that big survey is to look at tools and skill sets. Um, as far as that goes. So let, uh, let's see if we can close then on the poll, uh, mm -hmm. the survey that's also attached to, to the uh, uh, paper. And again, I think it's 
uh, available on both sites, uh, is a dive into data visualization tools poll. So it, it's asking folks to uh, talk about the or to respond to the poll, uh, which will cover data visualization tools that create visual representation of information or data, covers a, a variety of features and potential um, tools themselves. Or some examples are cited. Uh, the one I mentioned earlier, Power BI, is cited, uh, and the other that is maybe on the other end of of complexity and scope is Tableau, and there's a bunch of ones in between. But again, those are just uh, sort of examples to uh, help people uh, inform people about how to potentially answer these questions. So uh, those listening to the podcast, please take this, take the poll, help fill out the data. Uh, this is how the community can help shape the tool sets of tomorrow. So then in closing, um, uh, any, any thoughts about where this will take us into the next year or two in terms of tool sets? And I'm, I'm gonna give us a specific request, uh, uh, angle to this question, which is, since data visualization is overtaking process automation, which is where RPA, the previously hot topic, was 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 king, what will it mean, if anything, for this um, uh, displacement? It will, will it have any effect on the RPA adoption as a consequence of, of overtaking it in terms of interest? I don't think I don't think so. On all honesty, I think the the data visualization and all the data pieces, in particular are really helping us get everything, all of those things that we need in order to be able to, to launch into some of those other um, technologies moving forward and into next year. So looking at things like the process mining becoming more uh, easy to realize for teams and adoption, things like simulation as, as far as a, a decision-making tool and, and an improvement tool, um, machine learning and some of the other pieces that that require us being able to get all of this data visualization and get all of our data houses in order so that we can then move forward with some of those more complex, um, almost sexier uh, type of uh, technologies over the next couple of years. Well, it makes me wonder if I could go back in time, should I become a data scientist as opposed to a process modeler? I wonder what my perspective would be at this point. Um, Okay, well, that was great. Thank you so much, Holly. Again, uh, for those interested in looking at the paper, go to either either location, either APQC or EPM Next Gen. And uh, upon reading, please take the poll to help uh, us figure out uh, what you all need for tomorrow. Thank you very much. Thank you. In our next podcast, we will be joined by Bill Benjamin from the Institute for Health and Human Potential. Bill will be one of the keynote speakers at APQC's 2022 Process and Knowledge Management Conference held May 9th through 12th in Houston, Texas. If you have any questions about our podcast or would like to be a guest, please email us at podcasts at bpmnextgen.com. On behalf of Lloyd and Holly, I am Rule Sample. Thank you for listening. <laughs>